But let's now focus our, our attention on God's Word and let's recognize that the Lord is the speaking God, right? Amen. And He is present. And may He send out His light and His truth into our hearts today. Last night, I was uh, blessed, sitting back in the uh, study have at the house, to be watching on YouTube the Night of Praise, virtual Night of Praise. And uh, so grateful for the worship team that did a wonderful job. And if you were not able to see that, it is out there on all three of the platforms. So please, you will be blessed. And I was sitting there so encouraged by the praise and worship that was taking place. But I, for a moment, I was that old guy. <laughs> and you said, just for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought, what am I doing right now? What is this? YouTube. It just bothers me when I don't understand stuff. And that bothers me about getting old, and that happens more often. So I did a little bit of research. April 23rd, 2005, just 15 years ago, the very first video was uploaded to YouTube. Today, 15 years later, there are 1,300,000,000 people who use YouTube. 5 billion videos are viewed every day. 5 billion. 300 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. 300 hours a minute. Each month, 3.25 billion hours are spent watching video on YouTube worldwide. 80% of those viewers live outside the United States. They watch in 76 different languages. 38% of the viewers are female. 68% are male, which is no surprise because men always goof off a lot more than the women do. As I was watching that YouTube channel, uh, I was reminded of one of the favorite YouTube channels Susan and I enjoy. It's called Watched Walker. Watched Walker. And what it is, is simply a person who's wearing a, a helmet camera, and he's walking the streets of the major cities in the United States. And I'm sure there's a team that does this. And so you can follow along as the watched walker walks these streets. And so Susan and I found out about this. And so uh, as we've taken some mission trips, uh, we've been able to do a stopover, a little vacation and, uh, when we've had a layover in a city. And so uh, one time we... Uh, we were able to lay over for a few days in Paris. And last year's on our way to Romania. We were able to lay over for a weekend in uh, London. I know, I know. Suffering, I know, I know. <laughs> but we loved, 
we love the videos. We love the videos. You know why? Because we watch them before we go and we get a preview of where we're going. And then when we get there, we recognize the view. And then when we come back, we watch them again and we have a review. And we, we saw that. We saw that. We've been there. Now, just as amazing as these glorious scenes are, they, they are uploaded onto the cloud. <laughs> Whatever the cloud is. <laughs> I don't understand YouTube. What's the cloud? Well, they're uploaded to the cloud. Now, let me tell you what I want us to do for a few minutes. Let's take a journey, and we're going to journey into the cloud. We're going to journey into the cloud. We're going to see a scene of glory. And we're going to pray that God will give to us what he wants to download into our hearts. So let's go up into the cloud with the Lord. And let's see what he downloads into our hearts as we get a glimpse of our king this morning. The king of glory. Now let's take a little tour and we're going to start with a review. Review. The review of this moment. What Scott's just read for you is an incredible moment. Eight days earlier than this moment, which was life-changing for Jesus and his disciples and for us. Eight days earlier, Jesus had made... A reference to his disciples in the form of a question. He asked them a question. He asked them, who do people say that I am? And you remember last week we saw that Peter made the great confession about the king, didn't he? Look at verse 20 in this passage. We hear him make this incredible answer to Jesus' question, and he says to him, you are the Christ of God. You are the anointed one. You are the chosen one, the Messiah. You're the Son of God, the Christ of God. And there's this great confession about the King. But then also notice in this review that in response to what Peter confesses the Lord makes a declaration. The king makes a declaration. Verse 22, here is Jesus' declaration to his disciples after Peter makes that great confession. Verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Now the key word there, friends, is must. Mark that in your Bible if you haven't. The Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ of God, must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed and, praise God, he must be raised on the third day. This is Jesus sharing about his personal determination. He is determined at this moment to turn from Galilee toward Jerusalem. 
to suffer, be rejected, crucified, and resurrected to bring salvation. And then Jesus, notice we're still in this review. Jesus talks about our personal determination. Beginning at verse 23, after he talked about his suffering, he talked about the suffering that would come from anyone who follows him. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up what? His cross and follow me. The cross meant one thing in that day. It meant death. And Jesus says it's this kind of death, denying yourself. Denying everything that the world says is valuable. Denying the empty value system of the world that gets in our minds and our hearts. Deny that. Die to self. Follow me. Because if you die to self, you lose your life. But guess what? You really what? Find your life. You find the only life worth living. You find it in Christ Jesus your Lord. Jesus says make sure you do the math. What does it profit anyone? What does it profit anyone? If they gain the world and lose their life, lose their soul. What can you give in exchange for your soul? Jesus says this very clearly. Listen carefully, church. No cross, no crown. For Jesus, first the cross, then the crown. And for those who follow Him, it's first the cross, but then the crown. And thank God, church, there is a crown, right? There's a crown resting on the head of Jesus of Nazareth this very day. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He rules and reigns over all things. He rules and reigns over His kingdom. And thank God, through faith and trust in Him, we are born into that kingdom and we're citizens. Sons and daughters of God Almighty. Through our King and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a master we have, right? What a master. Now Jesus talks about this glory. He says in verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the Holy angel. He says that if we do not identify with him here on earth, he will not identify with us on the day of judgment. If we don't identify with him, he won't identify with us. This is not meaning that Jesus is not saying here, well, I'll just be ashamed, but come on in. That's not what Jesus means by this. If you are ashamed of Him, you will not identify with Him on this earth, then you will not be identified with Him in the eternal kingdom. You must choose now, in this life, the kingdom in which you will live forever. 
Either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of outer darkness. This is what Jesus is saying. And then, as he talks about this glory, now do you see where he's going? He talks about this glory, the crown for those who take up the cross by faith and identify with him. He talks about the glory and he gives a view of the glory that is to come. Verse 28 says this, notice. Now about the eight days later, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. Now why Peter and John and James? Well, because they are his closest companions. Jesus Christ loves all, but as the, the, the man that he is, he has those that are, are close to him. Dear, dear friends, close friends. And this inner circle is Peter and John and James, the two brothers. Why does he take them up there on this mountain? Because they will be the foundation of the early church. We'll read that the church of Jerusalem. Remember, what did he say to Peter? According to Matthew, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my what? I will build my church. And the foundation in Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem upon which he's going to build his assembly is going to be on the ministry of these men, in particular Peter and James and John. They will be foundational. James will be the first one of the apostles martyred. He'll give his life in Jerusalem for the king. Peter will open the door to the kingdom as he preaches on the day of Pentecost and thousands come to faith in Jesus. It'll be Peter who will open the door to the Gentiles as he preaches the gospel in the house of Cornelius. He will use those keys of the confession to open the kingdom. And John, well, he will, by God's grace, outlive them all. For the next 60 years, he'll be a testament and a testimony of what he sees and knows about Jesus. He'll write five books of the Bible. And the last book, the book of the Revelation that's given to him, will be about this glorious kingdom that's going to overthrow the kingdoms of this world. So Jesus takes these three men up to notice the mountain. There's only one, the mountain, if you are in Caesarea of Galilee. If you're ever there, just turn and look north and you'll see the mountain. 8,000 feet it rises up, Mount Hermon. Jesus took these three men up there. He went up there to pray and he asked them to pray with him. And on that mountain, he gave them a view. He gave them a view of the kingdom. What had he said? Look back 27. I, in verse 27, I say to you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is Peter, James, and John, and they are going to be allowed on this mountain to see what the kingdom is really all about. As they see the king. 
So now let's just take a view of this moment of glory. Let's just let's walk up in the cloud here and let's walk around this mountaintop and let's go back. What do we see? What does the Lord say? This is the kingdom. Verse 29. And as he, Jesus, was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing began, became dazzling white. Matthew uses another term. He says that Jesus was transfigured. Transfigured. The Greek word there is metamorpho. Metamorpho. It's, it's transliterated into English. What word do we get? Metamorphosis. Comes directly from this. And what does it mean though? What does metamorphosis mean? Jesus was transfigured before them. It means meta, he was changed, and morphe, his shape was changed. It means there was such a change that took a place on Jesus that his divine nature shined through his physical body. So they were not just looking on their friend the rabbi, the carpenter from Nazareth. But the eternal Son of God in all of His glory was shining through the body of Jesus. That's what happened. His eternal glory was on display. And at that moment, <laughs> into the glory appears two individuals. Who are they? Moses and Elijah. <laughs> they appear in the glory. Now stop there for a moment. What does that tell you about Moses and Elijah? They're still alive. Amen. Moses has been gone for 1,400 years. Elijah's been gone. And what a ride he had. You talk about a ride. You've never had a ride like Elijah. My fiery chariot. 750 years ago. He lifted off. And here, they appear in the glory with Jesus. They're still alive. Friend, I want to tell you something. You know Jesus Christ. You trust in Him. 1,400 years from now, you'll still be alive. Amen. 750 years, you'll still be alive. All your loved ones and your friends who knew and trusted Christ, your father, your mother, I pray, your relatives, they are still alive. They're not dead. They're in the glory. They're in the glory. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Of all the people who could have showed up on the mountaintop, why Moses and Elijah? Well, think about it. Moses is known as the great what? lawgiver. Who is Elijah? He is the greatest of the prophets. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. What did the Jewish people then and to this very day, how do they refer to their scriptures? The law and the prophets. So here there appeared in the glory on top of that mountain, 
the two men who represented everything the Old Covenant was about, the law and the prophets, and the whole Old Covenant is a promise of looking forward to one who would come, the Son of God. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have come what? To fulfill them. Praise God He did. And He does. Now, what do Moses and Elijah do? (laughs) What do the law and the prophets do? The law and the prophets speak of Christ, right? The law and the prophets speak of Christ. So what do Moses and Elijah do up there on the mountaintop? They speak with Christ. They have a conversation. (laughs) Imagine. Moses and Elijah having a conversation with Jesus. What are they talking about? Verse 31, we get to know the subject. They appeared in the glory. They spoke of His departure, which He was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, if you mark your Bible, if you mark in the margin of your Bible, circle that word, departure it is the in the greek text is it is the word exodon exodon we get our word exodus from it they talked to jesus about his coming exodus it's not by chance that word is used because what is the exodus all about What's the story of the Exodus all about in the Old Testament? It's the story of the redemption of slaves. The redemption of slaves. And their redemption is by the death of a lamb that covers their door. And behind the blood of the lamb, they are safe. And then... A fiery pillar arises out of like nowhere. And it leads these redeemed slaves out of bondage. And leads them on a journey to the promised land. Are you getting this, church? Why are Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus about the exodus? Because He is the exodus. He is the one who has come to redeem slaves to sin like you and me. He's come to pay the price as the Lamb of God, to be resurrected as the Son of God in the glory like a fiery cloud. And those who trust Him, He will lead them all the way to the promised land. Wow. You see this? What have you got here on the mountaintop the law the prophets the messiah and three of the apostles you have the whole story of redemption right here on this mountaintop this is the kingdom they're talking about jesus mission what a moment but you know what is Well, 
it's tragic, but some things that are tragic are just a little funny at the same time for us whose minds are a little bent. As you read this text, while this is going on, the disciples slept through most of it. They always had a hard time staying awake in prayer meetings. And that's what happens. You better be careful sleeping in church. You don't know what you might miss. <laughs> better get up and go to church. You don't know, believe it or not, Jesus might show up in church. What a wake up. I mean, can't you see him? <laughs> they, they think, wow, sun's come up. Yeah, it's sunrise, S-O-N rise. Sunrise. And they, they open their eyes and they're blinded by the light. They're blinded by the glory. They're blinded by this transfigured Jesus and bless Peter's heart. He doesn't start sleepwalking. He starts sleep talking. <laughs> he just sleep talking. Verse 33. Verse 33. God bless Peter. As the men were parting from him. That is, Elijah and Moses are parting. She's, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we are here. Uh, let's make three tents. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And, and you've got to love this phrase from Luke. Not knowing what he said. <laughs> oh, I understand Peter. I get him, don't you? Mouth is moving. Brain's not in gear. Not understanding what he said. And then the ultimate wake-up call. You talk about a wake-up call. The cloud. The cloud starts to envelop Peter, James, and John. Verse 34. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. That is, the cloud is overtaking them. And they were afraid. That makes sense to me. But they are especially afraid. Why? Because they're Jewish men. And they know their Bible. And they know what this cloud is. They understand what this cloud is. This cloud is the glory cloud of God's presence. This is the cloud that led the Israelites on the Exodus. This is the cloud in which we're told in Exodus 14, the angel of the Lord lived in this cloud. That mysterious figure in the Old Testament who appears from time to time, who is God but separate from the Spirit, more material. The angel of Jehovah is in the midst of this cloud. They know their Bible. And the glory of that cloud had settled down on Mount Sinai. And here they are on Mount Hermon. And the glory cloud is spreading over them. And the angel of the covenant, the Lord Jesus, is in the midst of it. And they're on the top of the mountain with God. And as Peter starts babbling away, 
<laughs> someone doesn't even ask permission, but just inter interrupts his conversation. God didn't ask permission to interrupt Peter. God can do that. He's God. And a voice. Notice this. A cloud, then a voice. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one, my beloved one. Listen to him. This is the second time the voice of the Father has spoken in Jesus' life. When was the first time? At his baptism. He identified his son at the start of his ministry. said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And now as he turns to go toward Jerusalem to do the work of the Father, the Father speaks to encourage his son. The Father speaks to encourage his son on what his son is about to do. It's not just that he sent two of his great friends, Moses and Elijah. The Father himself encourages his son. This is my son, my chosen one. You listen to him. He identifies his son. And then he exhorts his disciples, you listen to him. What is he saying? What's God saying to Peter? He's saying, Peter, listen in paraphrase. Don't, don't tell my son what you want him to do. My son will tell you what he wants you to do. Because you see, Peter's doing it again. He doesn't mean to do it. But he's being used to the enemy again. Jesus, we don't have to come down from this mountaintop. Jesus, you don't have to go through what you talked about. Rejection, death, and suffering. No, Lord, we could just stay up here and we could build three tabernacles. Well, you know, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. God, the Father, isn't having it. <laughs> As if Moses and Elijah and Jesus are equal. And they all three get the same tent. Not hardly. This is the one who lives in the tabernacle. This is the one who's in the temple. This is the one who's in the cloud. This is my son. You listen to him. What do we need to see in this moment of glory? We need to see these two things. We need to see a preview. <laughs> We've had the view and the review, but we need to see the preview. Because you see, all this is just a preview. As incredible as this is, it's just a preview. Look at verse 27 again. Jesus said, I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is just a preview of what the kingdom is going to be like. Now my friends, listen to me. Over these last 2,000 years, untold millions and millions of our brothers and sisters have tasted death. But thank God through Jesus, it's just a taste, right? It's just a taste. And then the sweetness of everlasting life in the kingdom. 
but for an entire generation of believers, an entire generation over the earth, they will never taste death. But in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, with a shout of the archangel and the voice of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming in glory. He's coming in power. Verse 26, and the Bible says, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched up, raptured, snatched away is the Latin We'll meet the Lord and those who have gone before in the air and so shall we always be with the Lord. Oh, it's the prayer of every generation. Lord, let me be in that generation. Let me be in that generation that will not taste death but be translated into your presence. Jesus is coming in the clouds. Remember? With glory. What's up here on the top of Mount Hermon? Clouds and glory. Why? Jesus is the glory cloud. Jesus is the glory of God. He Himself is the glory of eternal God. You want to see Jesus? You want to see God? Friend, you'll see God one place. It's when the light shines in your heart and you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's where you see God. It's just a preview. Just a preview. I love what the John, who was up here, I love what he says in some of his last words in the Bible. He writes the book of the Revelation. He says this in Revelation 21, verse 22 and 23. As he sees the new Jerusalem, the holy city, the capital city of God, he says, I saw no temple in the city. There will be no temple in the eternal city of God because the Lord and the Lamb are the temple. God Himself and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. And the city has no need of the sun. What's the sun or the moon compared to the shining of God in the Lamb, Jesus Christ? No more night, eternal day. This is the preview. This is the coming attraction, folks. Now, lastly... Just before we take communion, this review and this view and this preview should give us our worldview. Should give us our worldview. On this mountain with the Lord, we see what really matters. We hear what really matters. We get a, a snapshot of glory. And you know what else we get? We get a Snapchat from the Lord. And what does God say to us? He says these things to us, sleepy disciple. Not literally, but including myself. <laughs> Sometimes spiritually we're sleepy. And some of you are literally sleeping. I see that too. 
What, what does he say to us? What is this Snapchat? What's God saying? Number one, wake up. Wake up. Don't be sleeping spiritually right now. Get your mind right. Get focused on Jesus. Don't waste your life. Don't sleep now. Be a, be a child of the day. This is the day. The night comes when you can't serve, but now serving. Wake up. And he says, wise up. Wise up. Paul says in Romans 12 too, stop being conformed to this world. Stop letting the world press you into its mold, but be transformed. You know what that word transformed is? Metamorphosis. Be transformed. You be transformed. Let the inner you, the real you, the divine life you have in Christ, let it shine through your body. How does that happen? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to think right. You've got to get your mind right about what really matters. The only thing that matters now is what will matter a hundred years from this day, my friend. Be transformed. Your mind can be changed. Don't give up, my friend, on the power of God. He can change your mind. You're not stuck. I don't care what's happened to you in the past. I don't care what bondage you have now. I don't care the amount of abuse, as terrible as it is, my heart goes out to you. I don't care the shackles. Jesus Christ sets you free. And He can change your mind so that you don't think the way you used to think. God says, look up. <laughs> he says, wake up. And he says, look up. I love this. They looked up and what did they see? They saw only Jesus. Isn't that great? Jesus was found alone. I love how Matthew says they looked up and they saw no man except Jesus only. God wants us to see Jesus only. You know why God wants you to focus on Jesus? Because as you focus on Jesus in worship, you know what happens to you? Transformation. Transfiguration. Here's the last time this word metamorphosis is used in the Bible. It's used about Jesus and His transfiguration. It's used by Paul about the renewing of our mind being transformed. And it's used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where Paul says, And we, we believers with unveiled face, not like Moses, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We are focused on Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. What's happening to us? We are being transformed. We are experiencing a metamorphosis. And we're being changed into the same image. Whose image? The image of Jesus. The Lord doesn't want us to be conformed to the image of the world. He wants us to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. And how do we do that? As we worship Him. See, friend, isn't it wonderful when you come to worship, you can't stay the same. You cannot leave a time of true worship and be just the same. And then we need to listen up. 
This is my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. You see, we focus on Jesus as we see him in worship and as we see him in this word. Our time's gone. Listen to the eyewitness. I leave you with this, Peter. Hey, if anybody could compare experiences, would you want to give a testimony after Peter? Would you want to get up after Peter shared his? No. But listen to what what Peter says. You've got something more certain than what he experienced. You have something available to you every day that's more certain than the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said so. 1 Peter 2.16 But we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus. Listen, my friend, it's Jesus and myths. That's all there is. There's Jesus and the philosophy of the world. They're myths. The truth is in Jesus Christ. Verse 17. For we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. He's talking about the mount. We, when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born Him by the, out of this majestic glory, saying, This is My beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Peter hadn't forgotten this, right? We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. We were with Him on that holy mountain. What an experience. But but Peter says that's nothing. Listen to this. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What is the prophetic word that's more certain than Peter James and John's experience. What's more certain than their experience on the Mount of Transfiguration? This word. My friend, my experience and your experience may be from the Lord, but it could lead us astray. But you'll never be led astray by this book. The prophetic word of God which will show you Jesus and the only Jesus there is and the Jesus that will change our lives forever is the Jesus of this book. Open it. See him in it. And you'll never be the same.